My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Believe the truth. Genesis chapter 12, verse seven, one verse for your consideration this evening. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. God bless you. You may be seated. This text introduces two men, Abraham and Lot. They both journeyed together from the Ur of the Chaldees. They both had a common goal. But unfortunately, as you read the story, you discover that Abraham and Lot separated from one another. One climbed a mountain to a place where the atmosphere was clean and pure, where vision was unlimited. However, his companion descended into the plains of Sodom, where opportunities for a successful business career appeared to be excellent. The land was productive, the cattle were fat, and there was laughter echoing from the nearby city. Sodom was an attractive place, for people who ignored pollution. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. When you follow the story of Abraham and Lot, you can see that they had a lot of similarities between them. They were both good family men. They both seemed to have a common goal, to go to the land that the Lord had called Abraham to. They both had loyalty. Even Lot demonstrated this because he stayed with Abraham from the earth of Chaldees. And even after the death of Abraham's father in Haran, he continued to follow Abraham. But one detail explains the difference between the two men. Abram built altars and Lot didn't. And there's your difference right there. There's your difference in the life of somebody who serves Jesus with the right spirit and someone who doesn't. It's the, the advantage of an altar. The man who kneels daily at an altar cannot be far away from God. And anyone who is too busy to pray walks a dangerous highway. And I might add, anybody who's too busy to come to church is just too busy and you walk a dangerous highway. Now, Abraham built four altars 
that represents four stages of spiritual growth in our lives. And I'd like to go through each one of them and show you how to build these altars in your life. Well, all of us to some extent or another have already gone to our first altar. And I call that the altar of conversion and how wonderful it is to find that place of pardon where God meets with us in salvation. Abram built this first altar in the plain of Morah, which was the culmination of a long journey from the Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram had obeyed those divine whispers that directed him to the promised land. Even centuries later, the wise men followed a star to find the baby Jesus. But Abraham, the Bible said, had no guide and did not know where he was going, but yet he looked for a city whose foundations and whose builder and maker is God. And the Bible says when he arrived at the plains of Mamre, he built his first altar and the Lord appeared unto Abraham. While the patriarch lived in the earth of the Chaldees, he heard that voice calling him. But when he knelt before an altar, he met the God that called him out of the earth of the Chaldees. Is anybody glad there was a time when you were lost in sin, but God called you out of the world and your life was messed up and you came to a Pentecostal church and somebody preached a gospel message. Somebody told you that you could get baptized in Jesus name and fill with the Holy Ghost. And I know some of you are so old you can't remember way back then when you first got the Holy Ghost and some of you just can't remember it at all. Bless your heart. But how many of you remember when you first answered the call and you came to an old fashioned altar and you lifted your hands and God gloriously filled you with the Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad you can come to Calvary and find salvation again, the altar of conversion? Now, I don't mean to upset anybody, but we still ask people to come to the front. That's where our altar is, is up here in the front. You say, what are you doing when you ask all these people to come up here? We don't need to do that all the time. Yes, we do. Because I don't just preach this. I want to demonstrate what we preach. You say, well, there's some churches that are having seeker-friendly services. We don't need seeker-friendly. If they're seeking, they need to find because there's no sense in seeking if you can't find nothing. But thank God we still come to an apostolic church that not only can you seek God, but you can find him. And yes, I believe that there's power in stepping out in front of everybody and saying, I might be messed up now, but I'm going to go and find out whether or not this Jesus can do for me what he has done for others. Thank God for the cross of Jesus Christ. The poet expressed this fact when he wrote, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight. And now, now I wish we could all say this, but you'll have to sing it. And I don't know that you can say, and now I am happy all the day. 
Now, I know I've got some saved people, but I don't know how many happy people I've got. I know you claim salvation, but I want to know, are you as happy as this song says? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. I think our young people ought to get happy. I think the oldest person in the house ought to get happy. I think our married people need to be happy. I think the musicians need to get happy. I think the choir needs to get happy. The chorale needs to get happy. I think the front row needs to be happy and the balcony needs to get happy. We ought to be happy that we went to an old-fashioned altar and we were converted. The law of life is conversion. Everything is under the process of conversion. Life on this planet is based on that conversion. Photosynthesis is the process by which energy of sunlight is used in transforming water and air into plant food. And without that, you could not sustain life on this planet. The moment life is produced, it begins to convert food into energy, energy into accomplishment, and later on in life into another life by reproduction. A manufacturer said all industry is based on conversion, the conversion of raw materials into manufactured products. God's wanting you to be converted. See, I'm not ashamed to call myself a Christian. And I'm going to go and take it another step further. Brother Collins preached it Friday night. I'm not ashamed to say I'm an apostolic Christian. Now, I believe that conversion ought to produce change. I don't think anybody ought to remain unchanged by the gospel. Everybody here ought to experience that change. Conversion resembles, according to Colossians 3 and 9 and 10, taking off an old shabby suit and putting on a new one. I like what James Hastings said, a new life in which all the forces of one's being are turned into into a new channel, a change, a great change. But I'm not talking about the little dude who ate five pennies so he could see the change in himself. That doesn't work. (laughs) That's what too many people do today. I said, well, I ate them pennies and there's got to be some change up in here in me somewhere. No, you need an old-fashioned altar. If you're going to change, you need to come to an old-fashioned altar and say, God, I need to turn around. In other words, just coming to church and getting the Holy Ghost is not so you can feel good. It's for you to change your life completely and totally. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That means you got to deny yourself something. You got to give up something. Yes, serving God means giving up something. All our righteousness in and of itself is as filthy rags. And we've got to turn from our old life and we got to begin a new life. You need to take up your cross. Yes, it's hard to come to church sometimes. And yes, it's difficult to pour energy when you've poured out all week long and you've had your head beat in by every devil that's come against you. But it is a good thing for you to take up your cross and walk in here and say, I might have had my teeth kicked down my throat, but I'm going to praise the Lord and I'm going to walk in here and show that I've got something more than just a namsy-pamsy religion. I've got a religion that costs something. 
Yes, you might have to stand up every once in a while, but I say, let us do it and let us do it with a wonderful spirit. Anton Lang, who played the part of Christ in a famous passion play, insisted that the cross be large and heavy because he said, if I can't feel the weight of the cross, I won't be able to play my part and play his part correctly. And you need to feel the weight of the cross. It's going to cost something. And as we go further in this world, it's going to cost something to be Pentecostal. They already think we're a cult. And they already label us and call us all sorts of names. And of course, it's all misinformation. And you know how that works. And people do that all of the time. But that's just plain nonsense. Because a cult leader, they're supposed to do everything the cult leader says. And y'all don't do nothing, I say. <laughs> so, I can promise you one thing. We ain't no cult. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Woo! Huh? Y'all know what I'm talking about. And, and, and you got to learn to follow the Lord. Just because we preach a standard doesn't put us in the classification of a cult. If, if, if you got to wear a mask to fly an airplane, then you ought to be able to put on some modest clothes to come to church. I wish I could get an amen. I rest my case. You got to follow the Lord. You got to follow his example, his life and his example, the way he did things. You got to follow his teachings. He taught us as one having authority and not as the scribes. And we got to follow his spiritual guidance. I believe that God's example is sure. I believe that his teachings are true and that he will guide you even today. And you must make that voluntary choice if any man will. True salvation is not just religion, but righteousness, not just relief, but release from this world, not just reformation, but transformation, not just suppression, but eradication of sin, not just resolution, but redemption. I thank God for my salvation. How many of you can say along with the Apostle Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Is anybody glad you still believe in one God? Or is anybody glad you're still a part of a church that preaches holiness? That women ought to dress right, men ought to dress right? Well... That's just your first altar. Y'all thought I went all through all four of them right there, didn't you? No, there's another one. I call it the altar of communion. And it really is going to show how wise you are in the choices that you make. It is that place of prayer. Genesis 12, 80, removed from thence into a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. When Abraham knelt at his first altar, God met with him. But this second altar was different because he prayed and called upon the name of the Lord. It became a daily custom. He had lived many years without knowing the Lord. And now he planned to meet this God every day. 
Abram enjoyed being with Jehovah. To listen to his voice was to hear the music of another world, and it soothed and gave him guidance and understanding. And I believe that it's time for the church to build a daily altar unto the Lord. You say, well, how do you know whether I've got a daily altar? Well, just write down everything you do for the next two days, from the time you get up to the time you go to bed, write everything down. Just write it down and then examine it after two days. And if you have not found any time for the Lord, I don't care how you, oh, well, I'm going to wait for Wednesday night. And that's the reason why you walk in here and you can't get victory. And you can't, and the message don't relate to you because you're already disconnected emotionally from everything that you received Sunday night because you don't have a daily altar and then you want somebody to pull you out of the mud. Well, what happened to your shout? I was waiting. That was a powerful point. That's one of my most powerful points right there. Y'all should have jumped up and started running on that one right there. Why is it that we always expect somebody else to perform us out of our bad mood and play the harp until we can get into a good mood? There, it, that is not going to happen at the First Pentecostal Church. We're going to meet God every day and establish an altar of prayer. Now, if you write down and you've been on Facebook for three hours and you've been talking to your friends on the phone for three hours, that's six hours. Over a two-day period, that's going to be a lot of time. And then you don't have any time for God. And then you wonder why you don't feel anything when you come to church. Oh, they needed to play that other song and they needed to sing it one more time. No, you need to quit. Get off of Facebook. Build your altar (laughs) and worship at that altar. Now, it's always good to know where that altar is. And so when when you build the place in your life where you know you go to pray and to seek the Lord, that's the best way to do it and to have a time you do it every single day. And I know that because of the way life is and it's crazy right now and you can't always meet that time, but you can, you can sometime during the day find time to go to that place and worship the Lord and get into his word. I promise you it'll change your life. Here's what I know. If I don't change what you do every day, I will never see you change, period. And sometimes that means that there are people you're hanging around who don't support that kind of concept because they don't want you to get spiritual enough to make them feel bad about where they're at. I'm I'm preaching now. I mean, I know human nature. I mean, you, you, you don't know me. Yes, I do. I know human nature. I know how it works. Because if you get too spiritual and you say, now, listen, I can't do this because I've got my daily time with the Lord and I got to go spend it. That's going to infuriate them. Oh, you don't need to do that. You need to come over here and spend time with me. Amen. 
You know why that young man does not want you on fire for God, young lady? Is because he doesn't want you at the altar so he can sit back and play church. So you'll, and then pull you away so you'll stay carnal enough. I wish somebody would smile at me. And, and, and I'm going to tell you right now, the biggest problem is parents who don't want their children to suffer anything and, and have to pay the price for serving the Lord because they remember the price they had to pay. Listen, I went through all kinds of nonsense. If I told you half of what I went through when I was a kid, I would blow your ears off of your head. And guess what? I made it. Because it don't make any difference what you go through. It's whether or not you know the God who can bring you through. Because what you go through isn't going to stop you if you know the God that can bring you through. I wish somebody said, I'm going to build an altar. I'll build the altar. I want to build an altar to the Lord that will last me for the rest of my life. It'll get you through every trial. It'll get you through every trouble. So there's things you're going to go through. I can't change that. And everybody says, well, church wounds are the greatest wounds. Well, that's just not true. The fact is everybody gets wounded in the house of their friends. If, if Jesus is right and the Bible's right, and I'm pretty sure it is, everybody gets wounded in the house of their friends. But you see, what I've learned, and here's how I've learned it, is because it's not just did you get wounded, but you need to ask yourself the question, how many people have you wounded? And you'll find out that you've wounded probably just as many people as wounded you. Hmm. Well, that's a thought. I got you thinking. They said, man, I wonder. And, and so perhaps if you're honest enough with yourself and you got to get honest with, that's the reason why you need this daily altar is because God's going to make you honest with yourself. And so if you can build this daily altar, then it will guide you and help you make the right choices. Because I can't follow you around and police you 24-7 and tell you who to hang around and who not to hang around and what to do and what not to do. I can only preach the principles of Scripture. And I can give you a rule book a mile long, and that rule book's not going to help you because you can go through all the rules, obey every one of them, and still just be as carnal as the day is long. You need to meet God every day. And God needs to guide you. See, here, here's how I know whether or not you're actually looking for the will of God. Have you consulted elders in your life who don't have any stake in the decision? I'm not talking necessarily about parents. Before you make the decision, and, are, and will you let them, here's the, here's the kicker, will you let them say no? If you will not let them say no, 
You do not want the will of God for your life. Period. End of discussion. Boy, it's quiet now. In other words, if you've got to have somebody that's got veto power in your life. If the only people, oh, I'm, I'm on it now. If the only people you have in your life are going to sympathize with you in your offense and pet you in your bitterness, then you don't have any voice that can help you transform and become a better person in the kingdom of God. It's not possible. But if I can get you to this daily altar, listen, I want you up here. I want you praying. I want you crying. I want you shouting. I want you doing everything that you feel that you need to do. But if you don't build this daily altar, then it's going to die before you get to that back door. But if you know a place if you have a time, if you know the book, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. God can guide you and tell you when you're going off track. God's always put the right people in my life at the right time. Even those I didn't want. <laughs> I didn't want all that. I prayed for guidance, and so God gave it to me, and I said, you don't mean it. <laughs> yeah, afraid so. So you have, to, you have to learn the principle. And there's sometimes I wished I could tell you what the will of God is for your life, but you have to choose the open and closed door, and that's the only way you will know. God either opens the door or he closes the door. And, and I've been to where when I saw God closing it, I tried to get my foot in the door to stop it because I thought that was what I wanted to do. And then it shut right on my nose. And I had to do a lot of plastic surgery. Amen. How many of you, can, will you just confess that you've done that as well? You, you've tried to go through a door that God shut. How, how many of you where God's opened the door, but it didn't look as promising to you? And it didn't satisfy your need for whatever. It didn't make you feel significant enough. Hmm. Then you didn't want to step through the door because... You know, when somebody asks you to serve at a lowly place and you say, well, I want to do this. I don't want to have to pick up paper and do that. But when God calls you and he opens the door, you know what the best thing to do is to just go pick up that paper and shout while you're picking it up. Wad it up and act like you're playing the NBA, the national championship of the world. Yeah, hallelujah. And you miss it, but you're the greatest rebounder in the world. You rebound it and you make it. And you, you know, you gotta, you gotta do it right. As soon as I can, before I have to fly and I have to wear one of those masks, I might as well get me one of those LSU masks. Because if I'm going to mask, it's going to be the mask of a champion. Hallelujah. Come on. 
Isn't that right, Greg? Praise the Lord, wherever you're at. I hope you're hearing this message. Amen, a true champion. And then I'm gonna get on there and say, I'm the mask, I've got the mask of a champion. Huh? Well, I, I'm, I'm off the subject, huh? You gotta learn to just step through the doors God does open for you. And then give it your best shot. Amen. Here's your third altar, the altar of the covenant. It is a place of praise. Here's what I love about God. He never asks you to do a daily altar where he does not give you something better. And, and, I, and listen to me, I feel in the Holy Ghost to speak to somebody right now. God never closes a door that he does not have a better door that is more suited for you. That if you'll keep the right spirit when he closes this one and you praise him through the waiting time, he'll open the right one and you'll walk through. I wish somebody would praise God on that one. I mean, have you ever lived for God, came all the way out of the earth of the Chaldees, did everything God told you to do, and you got the rough mountains and everybody else got the well-watered plains of Jordan? Has anybody ever felt that way? They got the, they got the singles part. I, they don't ever let me sing solo in the choir. I'm telling you, I'm upset about it. And I pastor the church. It don't make no difference. They never ask me. Oh, you need to sing solo. Oh, they've tried to get me. Oh, you can sing with everybody else. I don't want to sing with everybody else. <laughs> Amen. I mean, I barely made it to church tonight because of that. Are you getting the message? Who cares where, who gets to sing? Is God glorified? Get in there and give it the best shot you got. Okay, so you get the, the rough mountains and Lot gets the well-watered plains of Jordan. This is what God said. Now I want you to lift up your eyes. Look from the place where thou art. I want you to look northward, southward, eastward, and westward for all the land which thou seest. To thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. That's in Hebron meaning fellowship. God wants you to learn to fellowship with him. That altar of communion turns into a covenant that says, I'm going to give you everything you see and every place you put your foot. If I can get the right attitude in you that you can walk through small doors and be excited about the small stuff and be, and be thankful you get to do anything for God. I'm thankful I get to do anything for the Lord because it's just a privilege. 
It's an honor to be able to serve the Lord. So I'm just going to step out there and I'm going to build my altar and I'm going to start praising God. I'm going to start worshiping Jesus. And guess what? I'm not going to put you through the pain of a solo because I know I cannot sing. I don't have the talent, don't have the ability. So I'm not going. So don't worry. Some of y'all look worried. Y'all look like, oh God, he's not going to do that, is he? No, I'm not because I don't want to. I want you to come back. I want people to preach to, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to get up here and tell you that if you don't get the praise and the right spirit in your heart, you will not be able to realize the covenant of God. But if you'll praise him when you get the rough mountains, I promise you that God, it's interesting at that third altar that Abraham never asked for anything, but he had been given everything. This altar was an altar of praise the Lord anyway. No matter what happened, he always had this altar to come to and to praise the Lord. It's that natural response to God's blessing in your life just to have you in my heart. That praise is the rehearsal of the eternal song that we're going to sing one day. I think you ought to find the grace in your spirit to sing it. And in glory, we continue to sing. Listen, you cannot, and I love you. Please do not take this in any other way other than I love you. You cannot sit there and sulk and expect God to open that covenant to you. I have never seen it even in my own self when I'm starting to sulk because I cannot seem to get over whatever the rough mountains might be and that can take on different forms at different times in your life. But thank God when I got my rough mountains, I kept on praising him and I kept on loving him and I kept on blessing him. And I think that praise does not make demands, but it does not negotiate or make requests. It just says, God, I'm glad to be in the house. Now, after COVID-19 and the quarantine, and you can live the dream in the quarantine all you want to, but I really enjoy coming to church. Can anybody say, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. So I think that we ought to praise him. Why? Because he's worthy. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Because of redemption, he's worthy. Because of the blood of Jesus, he's worthy. Man was hungry, and Jesus became the bread of life. Man was a sinner, and the blood cleanses. Man is lost on the sea of life, but Jesus became my bright and morning star to guide this boat. Man was thirsty, and Jesus became the living water. Yes, church, he's worthy of praise. And yes, we are a little noisy. And yes, we do clap our hands. But we're not going to stop clapping and praising and worshiping just because people want to be quiet and be silent. We are a loud church. We are a crazy bunch. (laughs) 
And I'm going to tell you, I don't know how much longer we're going to get this privilege because they're doing everything they can to take it away from us. But while I got it, I'm not going to be ashamed to walk in here. We're going to do it in decency and in order, but we're going to praise the Lord. We're going to get on the organ. We're going to get on whatever this is. And we're going to start. And we're going to play. And we're going to start singing. And even if I don't get to sing a solo, I'm going to get up here and sing with you. At a quiet church, one of those dignified churches, there was this old lady who just really had a powerful touch with God and often her cup of joy overflowed. So whenever it did, she was in this quiet, dignified, very significant church and everybody was so quiet sitting there and didn't want to be disrupted. And she would say, praise the Lord right out in front of everybody. And that just disturbed the minister because he lost his train of thought. He wasn't expecting that. And so he tried to figure out a way. I don't want to offend her, but I don't want her praising the Lord in the church. So he found out she was very poor and needed blankets. So he said, I'll get you the blankets if you'll stay quiet. And she said, okay, it's a deal. Get me the blankets and I'll never praise the Lord again until a visiting minister came. And he started talking about the joy of salvation and forgiveness and its abundant blessings and joy and God is so good and wonderful. And all of a sudden she said, blankets or no blankets, praise the Lord. Come on church, blankets or no blankets. There's sometimes you just gotta praise him. Build your altar of praise. And praise the Lord. Woo! But here's the fourth altar that I want to talk to you about. It's the altar of consecration. How willing are you to visit that place of provision and to do what God asked you to do? And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abram built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. I mean, it's an interesting progression as you see. First of all, he's pardoned and then the prayer and praise and now this provision, but it's a path of complete surrender and it's never smooth. It was devastating when Abraham was instructed to sacrifice Isaac. What wisdom could be in such an act as that? During the journey, you, you can only imagine how anxious Abraham was. That just goes against the nature of God. Consider your promises. But yet, even though it looked like he was going to have to kill his only son, his son by Sarah, and yet he knew that if God permitted the boy to die, that God could raise him from the dead. That was the faith that Abraham had in God. And by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. But yet he had such a faith in God, and he had such a reliability on God, and dependence on God that he knew God could get him out of any situation. He understood that God was too wise to make mistakes and too loving to be unkind. 
And I wished that I could explain to you why bad things have happened to you in the past, but I cannot. I have racked my brain in to try to find one comforting word of instruction when things we don't understand happen, and they happen often, church. And say what you will, but they happen often. I have no explanation, but I do have this. I have an altar of consecration. At what the Lord has given, he is also able to take it away. And I've got to be willing not only to place what he has given on that altar, I've also got to learn to praise when he takes it away. And I don't know if you've ever had anything taken away from you and it just seemed like it was the perfect storm or it was by the hand of the Lord or whatever you want to say about it or however you want to describe it. But if you're going to be the friend of God, you can't just receive things that are good from the hand of God. You've also got to go through trial. Because the same hurricane that hits us here in Pensacola and hits everybody around us tears our homes up just like it tears everybody else's homes up. But when we go through it together and we've got faith in God, the Lord tore the, gave me the roof and then tore it up. And I'm just waiting for the brother to come down in the cot so we can raise him up. Amen. But God does some strange things. I don't know. You can say what you want to. But I say, church, we need some consecration. That says even when we go through COVID-19. The quarantine can't stop a consecrated church. You know what consecration is? That means I'm going to be true to God when it's going good. And I'm going to be true to God when it's going bad. You say, well, I'm here, but who are you blaming when it's going bad? What's coming out of your mouth and who are you blaming? And if you're blaming anybody and not seeking the Lord and praising God, you're not consecrated to him. Because Abraham didn't blame God, didn't blame Sarah, didn't blame the devil. He said, I'm going to do what God told me to do. And while his hand was in the air, God said, stop, I've got a ram caught in the thicket. Woo! God's got a provision for this church. I don't know how it's going to look. But I'm telling you right now, if God's taken from you, give him praise and watch God open a door and show you that there is no good thing. Will he withhold from them that walk uprightly? Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. And for his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. Wow, that's a truth. Because let your request be made known unto God. My God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Church, I've had my romance with these four altars. 
all of my life. I have built every one of them. I have walked with God in each one of these dimensions. I've seen ups and I've seen downs. I've seen good stuff and bad stuff. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor his seed begging bread. And one thing I've learned to do. Now you can do it how you want to do it. Is I've never blamed anybody for the things that I perceived are my responsibility. If it's my responsibility, it's my responsibility. And there it lays and there alone. These four altars will work for every one of you. And the good news is, is that God wants them in every one of your lives. The altar of conversion. Thank God for conversion. The altar of communion, that daily walk. The altar of the covenant where you get the rough mountains after you've walked with God. <laughs> after you've done everything he told you to do, you get the rough mountains and ignorant lot gets the well-watered plains of Jordan. Yeah, I've been there too. The altar of consecration where I unreservedly, when God takes from me, he's not giving, he's taking, but I give my whole life. The times he gives and the times he takes, he's still God. And I can, I can, I can tell you unequivocally, I can't explain why God takes some things. I'll never know probably until I get over there. But yet, I serve the Lord. Here I stand and I choose to serve the Lord. Because that is my consecration to him. And it's not easy. Amen. It's not easy. But it is the best choice you will ever make. Does anybody want to build some altars tonight? Does anybody want to build some altars tonight? Do I, do I have any altar builders? in the house. Anybody? Everything I've told you, I, t I tell you out of the love that I have for every one of you, the value that I place in each of you, and I can say unequivocally, I believe you are God's people and I love you dearly. And I want you to build these altars. I try to put enough humor in it so it don't get so tense in the house that you feel like your back's about to break. But by no means does it trivialize the truths that are being declared because these truths work and they work for every one of us if we work and leverage. See, here's what Jesus said. You can fall on the rock and be broken or the rock can fall on you and grind you to powder. 
Meaning either you leverage the principle to your advantage or the principle kills you. It's just as simple as that. You jump off the Empire State Building without a jetpack, you're going down. And that's not God's judgment on you, that's just a fact. Best thing to do is don't jump. <laughs> don't jump. You'll be fine if you don't jump. You gotta leverage the principle to your advantage or the principle itself does not change for anybody. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That is a principle we cannot change. And, it, and it, it happens in everyone's life. So thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his grace. Now, what I'd like for you to do, young people, if you would, I want you to just come and spread out over the front here. And I want you to commit in coming to the house and coming to the front, I want you to commit to build altars. I want you to commit. You're committing to build these four altars in your life. God will lead you to each one and, and he'll show you how if you will let him show you how. There'll be times when you will receive. There'll be times when he calls on you to praise when it don't go your way. And I just want you to be willing to do that. I told you before it happened, so don't start crying about it when it happens. And it's all right to cry about it, but get into a spirit of praise. Now, parents, if you support what I have preached to these young people and to all of us, really, it's not, it's not just for the young people, it's for everybody, but, but you support what I have preached and you want these altars in your own life. And, and I know many of you desire what is best for your kids. I, I have no doubt about that. But these altars need to be built by every one of us. And I promise you they are the best. And yes, they may have, it may cost them to serve the Lord. And they may have to suffer to serve the Lord. But I'm gonna tell you right now, I'll choose the sufferings of God's people over the tents of wickedness and the pleasures thereof. For a day in the court is better than a thousand any other time. That's the text. So parents, I want you to come find your kid, your grandkid, if you support these altars. And I'm just talking about the altars and I want you to come and I want you to pray with your young person. Parents, grandparents, nieces, nephews, uncles, aunts. Doesn't make any difference to me. If you're just a spiritual mother or father or a brother to these kids, it's awesome too. Come and stand with your family because I want you to build these altars in your life. I think that it's the best thing to do for it's worth the time, it's worth the pain, because I promise you there is no prize without pain. <laughs> there is no advancement without pain. There's just sometimes it hurts to serve the Lord and to do it with praise. It just hurts. I, I don't know why it does, but it does. 
I guess you could ask Jesus when you get there, did Calvary hurt? Maybe you could ask him why it had to hurt. Why did he have to be crucified? Why did he have to choose the most cruel, suffering, painful form of execution? Because it was divine choice. Was it the Romans who chose it for him? God chose that before the foundation of the world. God chose that. Not the Romans. Not the Sanhedrin. God chose it. Look at this. Look at how many wonderful people that are here tonight that support these four altars and want to see these kids make it and serve the Lord correctly. I think it's awesome. Do you realize, listen to me, church. I just feel this in the Holy Ghost. Would you hear this right now? Hear this. And, and, and no matter where you're at, what you're going through, listen to me right now. God chose you to put you in this generation with all your struggles and all your craziness and all your messing up and everything you ain't did or should have did, could have did, would have did. God chose you to be in this church at this time in this hour. Now, you didn't come here by your own choice. God chose you to be here and you are here by divine authority and right. You are here. With your pain, your anguish, your trouble, your trial, your this, your that, everything, God chose you. You're here. Now we're going to make the best of it. We're, not only are we going to, we're going to build these altars. We're going to leverage our advantage. So I just want you to lift up your voice. We're going to sing. I want you to lift up your voice. I want you to pray together. I want you to call upon the name of Jesus. I want you to commit in your heart right now. I'm going to build these altars. I'm going to build these altars. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.